Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. All right, let's get to the word of the Lord. Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. Why? I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Heavenly Father, we come to you in this particular moment. Lord, as we, O oh God, are living in such uncertain times, we're reminded of the certainty of your word. We're reminded of your faithfulness, God, that you, O oh Lord Jesus, uh, said, dear God, that you would never leave us or forsake us, and we hold on to that today. Now bless your word to our hearts. Encourage your people. Build faith. God, we can declare the word, but God, would you send the anointing into their home, O oh God? Would you send, dear God, your spirit into their home. Let those watching now feel your presence in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you're standing, you can be seated. Uh, praise the Lord. <laughs> when Paul writes this, he's writing at the time he is a prisoner. He's in the city of Rome, the great metropolises of the Roman Empire. But he can't go anywhere. He can't do what he chooses. He can't preach as he would like and normally would. He cannot minister the word as he normally perhaps would. He has lost the freedom that he once knew, so now he is incarcerated as a criminal and a convict. He has lost his privacy by constantly being reminded about the chained Roman soldiers that are next to him. He only has the basic meager fares of life. He has bare minimum that prisoners would get when it comes to food and drink and clothing. He's affected with all kinds of things that remind him of loss. He's lost his freedom. He can't go. He's lost his freedom. He can't deliver uh, his, his livelihood like he was used to or deliver the ministry like he was used to. So what did he do? He started talking to the guys he's chained to. He started changing the way that he was doing ministry and began to win people in a whole new way. Sounds like today, doesn't it? He was actually quarantined, <laughs> really quarantined, <clears throat> like, like so many having to deal with this. And, and so we're, we're talking about a time of loss. You can't go to Walmart just 
at, at every thought. Or you can't run down and get a, a Mexican meal when you want to have that at the a local Mexican restaurant. Or you can't go over to, to get this at this point in time. It seems like in this season, in this crisis, we are dealing with loss. We're dealing with all kinds of things that come our way. So tonight I want to talk to you about contentment in crisis. Contentment in crisis. If you're taking notes, if you're writing down tonight, I want to tell you, hang on through this message. I'm going to give you five things that will help you get through a crisis, having contentment in crisis. Let's talk about it for a little bit. Uh, the Apostle Paul said, I have learned, I have learned to be content. The word content here simply means having enough. Mr. Lightfoot, the great Greek commentator, says that this word refers to someone who doesn't need any aid. Who's someone who doesn't need any aid. It's like the person that is so wealthy, he don't need any money. He just doesn't need anything. Paul is a prisoner chained to Roman soldiers. Loss had come his way, yet he said, I don't need anything. Do you need anything today? Paul said, I am quarantined, but I don't need anything. I am absolutely content with my food, with my clothes, with my surroundings. I'm content. I'm sure he wouldn't choose to be in that place. He didn't choose to be, I, you know, like, I, I just want to sign me up and let me just, just go be a prisoner. But, but today we're living in a time where we don't choose where we are. We didn't choose this situ situation. We didn't choose to be here. But we can also choose to be content in this present crisis. Paul said he had the secret. Here's his secret. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both abound and to suffer need. Can I tell you, that's the power and the blessings of contentment. That's the secret of contentment. And it's based upon this realization. I can do all things. I can go through anything. I can survive any situation through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Where's your strength tonight? Amen. If our strength is in this world, if our strength is, David said, in the news, if our strength is in the, the, uh, uh, the everything that's going on around us, we will surely become very discontented. But if our strength is in him, we can look at every crisis. This one those that have passed and those that are coming and say, I'm going to make it, I'm going to go through it, and everything's going to be all right because I can have contentment in my crisis. On the other side of contentment is, is the other word, discontent. Discontent is damaging. Discontent is what frustrates spiritual growth and spiritual development. Discontentment is a roadblock to what God wants to accomplish in our life. For the very first act of sin was based upon discontentment. Satan told Eve that God was trying to keep something from her. 
let her not have what she wanted. God is keeping that. But just the opposite was the reality. God desired for them to be content in their present situation. John Piper, the noted preacher and author, says, Sin is what you do when you're not satisfied in God. Discontentment is what breeds sin in our life. Feeling a frustration like, I don't have what I need. I, I need... I need some toilet paper. I don't have. Can I tell you there there has got to be toilet paper stacked somewhere that somebody's hoarding it up. Amen. I'm just using that as an illustration. There's all kinds of things that we've seen. The 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 you know just what you need at Walmart. That aisle is empty. How can I survive that if I don't have my Rice Krispies? How am I going to survive if I don't have my Mars bar? How am I going to survive? Amen. But what we've got to understand is that there can be a contentment that comes across you that drives out that discontentment, that drives out of that, that critical feeling like I can't make this. Discontentment, if we were to define it, means unhappiness caused by the failures of one's hopes. Failures of one's desires or expectation. It is disappointment, disgruntlement. It is dissatisfaction, being let down or having regret. Discontentment is a tool of the enemy. It plays on our emotions. How many of you in this crisis have opened your refrigerator door and said, I don't have that? Or you looked at your uh, wallet and said, <laughs> I don't have that. Amen. And so the enemy rushes in to bring to us discontentment. Jesus said in another part of the gospel where he said in Luke 12 and 15, Take heed and beware of covetousness. Here's the thing. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Can I tell you in this crisis, here's what we need to learn, is that a lot of stuff we thought we needed, we can get by without. A lot of things that we thought we had to have, a lot of things we thought that made our life valuable, all of a sudden doesn't mean much anymore. So we have this, this feeling of discontent that comes to us. Let me talk to, you, talk to you about Israel and what happened to them when they begin to ignore God's blessings. They begin to ignore God taking care of them. They became discontent. Look at Numbers chapter 11. The wilderness Israelite had a huge, a huge problem with discontentment. These former slaves should have known better. These former slaves should have felt better. But look at Numbers 11 and verse 1. And when the people complain, God's people complaining? God's people complaining? You're kidding me. And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. And the Lord heard it. Let that sink in. God hears our praise. But he also hears our grumbling. And then the Lord said he was, his anger was kindled and the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. Whew. Man, that stops them complaining right now. When you complain, you burn. You complain, you burn. 
Oh, my, my. Verse 2 says, And the people cried unto Moses, and when Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire was quenched. And he called the name of the place Taberah, because the fire of the Lord burnt among them. But break down and look at verse 4. And the mixed multitude was among them that fell a lusting. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? Who shall give us flesh to eat? You know, when you study this, you will find there are only three days from Sinai. Three days from the law being given. Three days from seeing what God did on the mount and Sinai. Three days. Life was good around the mount. They got revelation. But in three days, they were changed from uh, uh, being feeling like everything is good to discontentment. Dr. Roger Freeman said this about discontentment. He said, discontentment is epidemic today. It is an epidemic today. He said, everywhere I look, people are complaining about something. In our nation, the government is just not doing enough. In our schools, the teachers are not teaching uh, or there isn't enough money. In our homes, the man is not leading or the children are rebelling. In the churches, the pastors are failing to meet our expectation. In the largest denomination in America, the number of forced resignation of pastors is up 60%. This year, he says, people have no sense of contentment, no understanding of God at work in their lives. Amen. We rushed into this crisis with a culture of feed me, give me, bless me. I want to have, I got to have, I got to have. And amen. But now all of a sudden we are seeing people having to back away and readjust. If there's one thing I pray that comes out of this is naturally an awakening, yes. But I also pray that a spirit of appreciation grips our nation for what we have and how good we have it. So Israel lost their focus just three days from Mount Sinai and began grumbling and complaining. They forgot who they were. In their grumbling, they complained about their, their present condition, but they forgot about what it was like to be a slave under the heavy taskmasters in Egypt. They did not remember who they were. And then all of a sudden, they also got infected by what the Bible calls the mixed multitude. Hmm. Some translations calls this mixed multitude the rabble. The rabble. The rabble was a group of non-Hebrews who had attached themselves to Israel's deliverance. These may be in some that joined them on the, on the journey, but there were some Egyptians that left with them, and they were the first to complain. They didn't have their eye on the promise because they didn't have the promise. And so they began to complain. I want to just do a little sidebar right here. For all of you MPC people, you know what I'm talking about. I just want to share a personal thought. Is that if you find somebody that is constant complaining in your world, you need to identify them as rabble. You need to say, wait a second, I'm not going to be a part of that. Constantly complaining about this, complaining about that. Amen. They'll lead you down a trail that is dangerous as they did lead Israel down the same trail. 
rabble represents those who are long for the ride, but they don't have commitment. There are those that are long, long for just, you know, getting by, but they don't have commitment. Amen. Watch out for the complaining rabble in your life. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, he said this, the gift of grumbling is largely dispensed among those who have no other talents or who keep what they have wrapped in a napkin. I don't want the gift of grumbling. I don't want the gift of complaining. In this crisis, I got a whole lot more to be concerned about and be, 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 be prayerful about than the complaining about different things. Amen. You will find that Israel in 11 and 4 despised the gift that, that God had given them. God had provided for them manna, and they said, who's going to give us flesh? We got manna, we want flesh. We got manna, we want this. Well, I got this, but I want that. And so discontentment set into their heart. Uh, amen. And, and so they, they, they begin to see things down uh, the road differently. And they, they saw, as Numbers 11 and 5 says, We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. That's a fancy feast. But our soul is dried away. There's nothing at all but besides this manna. Oh, God, you're just giving us this. God, we've got to have this. And this is all we have. Who's going to give us meat? Amen. Can God survive, uh, provide for us in Corona? Can God provide for us uh, during this season, during this crisis? I want to say, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthened me. You might be in an isolation right now. You may not have anybody that you're able to see. Amen. But I'm talking to you. You can do all things through Christ. Everything that you do, let it be by the strength of Christ. Amen. Let it be by the strength of Christ. And watch contentment come into your home. Amen. Praise the Lord. Contentment tends to idolize the past. We want the melons and the cucumbers and the leeks and the onions. Forget this angel food stuff. We don't want that. We want all this other stuff. They forgot. God had delivered them by a mighty hand, brought them out wealthier than they ever were, blessed them, but they romanticized Egypt. Give me a break, Israel. Your, 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 your body is free, but your mind is contaminated. Contaminated. The preacher of Ecclesiastes puts it like this. 7 and 10, say not thou what is the cause of the former days were better than these. For thou dost not inquire wisely concerning this. Don't sit and fret in your home about last month, two months ago, two years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Oh, the good old days. These are the good old days. These are the days where God in this crisis will be greater than you've ever expected or experienced before. I'm telling you today on good authority, you can have revival in your home with your kids, with your youth. Amen. With yourself. There can be contentment in the crisis. 
Notice every man, if you look at Numbers 11 and 10, every man in the door of his tent was wailing and complaining. Wailing and complaining. Get that. Nobody knows the trouble I see. Sing that if you want to, but why don't you add a little bit of Jesus knows the trouble I'm in, and he's going to make a way. <laughs> he's going to make a way. He's going to make a way. And you know what? Even Moses, if you study Numbers 11, verses 11 through 15, even Moses started complaining. You see, complaining can be contagious. It can be contagious. Doubt and fear are contagious. Amen. Because like virus, they're a disease. But on the other hand, happiness, contentment is not contagious. It's health. It is health. Amen. When you get healthy, then all of a sudden you're going to have contentment. You'll have the joy you need. But you got to get healthy. Get the infection of mentality, of thinking of mentality of discontentment. Get it out of your mind and begin to say, oh God, I can do all things through you. Because you're going to strengthen me in this season and in this crisis. Ultimately, God said to Moses, why don't you do this? Why don't you have some church? Go set up the tent of meeting. Amen. He commands him to go to the tent of meeting, and he said, I'll meet you there. God answered the discontentment of Moses with the fresh encounter of his presence. Amen. True contentment comes through a faith and a relationship with the Lord that says, as Paul says, I can do anything through him. I can go through anything through him. Let me talk to you about another side of contentment I want to show you. It's found in the Beatitudes of Matthew chapter 5 and verse 4. Matthew 5 and 4. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Mourning speaks of loss. Just as, as Paul had loss, loss of freedom, loss of ability, loss of other things that he wants to enjoy. You can experience loss in many ways. You can have loss of innocence, loss of innocence. You can have a loss of a loved one. You can have a loss of a marriage or a loss of self-respect or self-worth. You can have a loss of a loved one. You can have loss of all different kinds. Even Jesus understood grief. Jesus not only showed us that he understood, he showed us that he experienced it. As he went before where Lazarus was, and that shortest verse in the Bible that we talk about in John eleven thirty five, 35, Jesus wept. He understands grief. He understands uh, loss. He understands uh, the fact that it can be overwhelming. I'm not talking about a hurt like somebody dis disfriended you or unfriended you on Facebook, but I'm talking about a hurt like a loss that is deep, a loss that seems I'm all alone, I'm by myself. But Jesus said, blessed are they which do mourn, for they're going to be comforted. Let me, let me break down to you, the, for you, the word blessed. In the Greek, when you begin to study it, it means spiritual, prosperous, independent, spiritual, prosperity, independent of circumstance because it is a state bestowed by God and not by feelings. 
a spiritual prosperity independent of circumstance because it is a state bestowed by God and not feelings. That's why Paul could say, I'm chained to these guards, but I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, I have to do this and I have to do that, but I'm okay. I've got to deal with this in the, in the season, but I'm okay. Contentment, amen. When we look at that, it is, I'm mourning, but I'm still happy. I'm sad, but I'm still happy. Amen. I'm dealing with this issue, but I'm still happy. I'm dealing with loss, but I'm happy. I'm dealing with C-19, but I'm happy. Amen. For the biblical perspective of this word blessed describes the person who is free from daily cares and worries because his every breath and circumstance is in the hands of the one who made him. It is in the hands. So you want to say, I'm happy. I'm mourning, but I'm happy. I'm mourning, but I'm happy. I'm dealing with this, but I'm happy. I'm happy. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. I love the Amplified Bible. I love reading it uh, because it's, it's, it's an expansion. It's amplifying the text in a lot of different ways. Blessed, of this verse, it takes it and expands. It said, blessed and inevitably happy with a happiness produced by the experience of God's favor and especially conditioned by the revelation of his matchless grace, are those who mourn, they shall be comforted. The word comfort is an incredible term because it means encouragement. It means help. It means to ease stress, comfort. Hallelujah. It means to encourage, instruct, and teach. In the valley of tears, you can find the streams of God's refreshment by his presence and power. Ray Pritchard said this. He speaks of this verse when he says, this is one of the strangest statements in the Bible. It is a paradox and mystery. Blessed are those who mourn, said Jesus. What he really said was, Happy are the sad. Happy are the sad. All mourners now are not blessed. Complainers and gripers are certainly not blessed. You can be going through something and, 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 not, and just deal with the mourning and the issue and not be blessed because you're not in Christ. But if you are in Christ, as Paul said, then all of a sudden your situation, your loss, your isolation turns into a state of contentment. That is comfort. Here's what we've got to do. We've got to plug into Christ. Jesus said, John 15 and 7, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Shall be done unto you. The key to contentment is abiding in the vine where his branches Amen. When we sever our relationship with Jesus Christ, we lose our supply of happiness. When we say, I don't need him, I can do it on my own, I've got enough. I want to tell you, in this season, even people who have a lot of money can be so discontented because they're bound by fear and dread and worry and anxiety. But some of us, perhaps, that are less fortunate can be full of contentment because we abide in him. All right. I told you in the beginning, I give you five keys to contentment in crisis. And so let's do it. From the book of Philippians, 
in Paul's situation, let me give it to you. Philippians 4 and 10. Number one, trust in God's providence. Trust in God's providence. Paul said, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Providence here speaks of how that God uh, brought the, the, the fact that God was working everything to his own will. It means that God takes millions, billions perhaps, of contingencies that occur in the universe and out of them he orchestrates his own will, his own perfect plan for our life. God knew this was coming. <laughs> so he's also orchestrated a way for you to be content, to be taken care of, to be an overcomer in this situation. Consider with me just for a moment the thought of, of Samson. When Samson was faced with a battle with the Philistines, he looked around for a weapon and he found the jawbone of a donkey. Somewhere that donkey had to die, and it had to die at the right time so its body can be decomposed or somebody had to place that jawbone there at the right time to fulfill what needed to happen for, for Samson to win the victory. Amen. Did God have things in place? We've often griped about the internet. We've griped about social media. But here's our jawbone. Here's our opportunity to grab something now that he already had in place that we can use for the glory of God. So number one is trust in God's providence. He's got this. Number two, God transcends our lack. God transcends our lack. Not that I speak in respect of a won't, verse 11, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Our circumstance does not have to dictate our contentment and our comfort. Again, Paul says, I am taken care of. I am taken care of. Somebody needs to say that right now out loud. I am taken care of. <laughs> Rich or poor? I'm taken care of. Full or hungry, I'm taken care of. Home or away, I'm taken care of. In a quarantine or not in quarantine, I'm taken care of. I'm taken care of. Paul found his fullness in Christ. Paul is being led by the Spirit here and not by his flesh or his circumstance. He's not just merely speaking that the Lord gives him strength in every situation, but his earthly comfort took second place to the comfort he received from Jesus Christ. Amen. The comfort we get from God cannot be bought on an open market. But let me tell you, its shelves are always full. So God transcends our lack. He can supply your need miraculously. He can supply your need miraculously. Number three, circumstances are irrelevant. I know both how to be abased, he said in verse 12. I know how to abound everywhere and in all things, everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, abound and to suffer need. His circumstance, what he's saying is, is that his circumstance is not based on the present truth of God's power. Even when your circumstance is like riding a roller coaster, 
Hasn't this coronavirus deal been like riding a coaster? We have been here at MPC. Our leadership has, we have been doing our best to, to think ahead. We, we have gone from phases, phase one, phase two, now we're on phase three. And, and by the time we get a, an idea in place, it was already changing. I know both in phase one and phase two and phase three, how to abound. I also know how to, how to deal with need. I'm good. I'm good. Circumstances are irrelevant. Number four, a supernatural power is required to have contentment in a time like this. So I go back to, I can do all things through Christ which strengthened me. The phrase through Christ who strengthened me comes from the Greek word dunamis, from which we get the word dynamite. It means to infuse dynamite into. God is going to infuse his power into your situation here today. Paul is simply saying that in the midst of any situation, God can blow it up. He can blow it up. And lastly, number five, get busy helping others. I want to say to those of you that are making masks, those of you that are sending out letters, those of you that are making care packages, those of you that are communicating one with another, you're already doing number five. Amen. Look at verse 14. He said, notwithstanding ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. You communicate my affliction. What is he talking about? He's talking about the church here that had an opportunity to take up an offering and bless Paul with an offering, a contribution in his present need. Amen. But he also went on and he says in verse 19, but my God shall supply all your need. You've given, you've given out, you've been helping others, you've been being a blessing to me. Amen. But God's going to supply your need. As you communicate to others, you are sowing into your current situation. Amen. As you sew those masks, as you pray for others, as you send out letters, as you make phone calls, as you make positive faith building uh, uh, posts on, on social media, I want to tell you what you're doing and what you're saying is I'm contributing because my God said it's going to come back. Paul says, God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Notice Paul's not saying, give me more, send me more, because he's genuinely thankful. I'm cool. I'm in jail, changed between guards. I'm cool. Can you say that this, this evening? Can you say this right where you are? Can you say this, what you're going through? <sighs> I'm cool. I'm good. I'm good. Everything's good. Paul could say that God was going to meet their needs because they had helped others. I tell you, you reap what you sow. In, in conclusion tonight, Hebrews 13 and 5, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. And we quote that line completely. And, 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 and our, we leave the top off a lot of time. But let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. 
Every child of God should settle in his heart in this coronavirus crisis. The fact that God said, I'll supply your needs. If God fed Elijah with birds and God sustained a widow of Zarephath with oil that wouldn't run out and meal that wouldn't run out. If God fed 5,000 at one time and 4,000 at another, how much more can he take care of us? My trust is not in the things of this world, but in God. I want to tell you today, claim his promise. No matter what you're dealing with, seek first the kingdom of God. He'll supply your needs. If you want to tonight, you can find contentment in Christ. You can find comfort in Christ. If you don't know the power of Christ through born being born again, amen, you can be born again of water to spirit. Repent and be baptized in the lovely name of the Lord and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In a world of loss, in a sea of discontentment, those that are forever seeking something that they do not have. We have an anchor that is sure and solid. It's Christ that no matter what we're going through, no matter what we're dealing with, our circumstance does not dictate our comfort. Our circumstance did not dictate our contentment. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Praise God. Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com.